0: ocean trash to talking fountains the september 7th 2014 i'm Franny halperin
1: and i'm jamie Sudler.
0: and it's this week in water
1: here at h2o radio we would like to note two events that occurred during the past week First, last Friday marked the end of World Water Week, which is organized by the Stockholm International Water Institute. The conference started in the early 1990s in Stockholm, which has gone from being one of the most unhealthy cities in terms of water quality to a place where you can swim and fish even in the center of the city. The theme of this year's conference was Water and Energy and the head of the Stockholm Institute said that globally 25% of fresh water is used for energy purposes. The demand for water will increase drastically over the next few decades, and energy production will be one of its main uses. But getting the water sector and the energy sector together to agree on goals and strategies is difficult. The energy sector is global with many international and private companies, while the water sector is run mainly by public companies at Local and municipal levels. Hopefully, last week's conference may have led to the two groups talking with each other. We also note that last week we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Wilderness Act here in the U.S. President Lyndon Johnson signed the measure, which protects nearly 110 million acres across the country from urban development and excessive human imprints. The act reserves the land for the people that they may use it for historic, scientific, educational, and recreational purposes. Among other things, the Wilderness Act protects raging whitewater rivers and snow-covered peaks.
0: Oil giant BP was grossly negligent regarding the Deepwater Horizon disaster, that ruling from a federal judge last Thursday about the worst offshore oil spill in American history. U.S. District Judge Carl Barbier's findings of reckless and extreme behavior means BP faces a fine under the Clean Water Act of $4,300 per barrel of oil spilled. The 153-page ruling describes repeated instances in which BP took measures to cut costs despite safety risks. Thursday's decision is among the biggest legal setbacks for BP in four years of litigation over the explosion, which killed 11 crew members— left oil leaking in the Gulf for months, destroyed wildlife, and fouled beaches. Scientists continue to monitor the Gulf for impacts from the spill. The Coast Guard said crude oil still occasionally washes up on beaches from Louisiana to Florida. BP said it would appeal the ruling, which would delay a final decision on the fine as well as other pending court
1: cases. There has been significant opposition to the Keystone XL pipeline here in the United States and in Canada. In addition to Keystone, there is also the planned Northern Gateway pipeline that would run from Edmonton, Alberta to Kitimat, British Columbia. There the oil would be loaded onto tankers and shipped to Asia. That plan has been delayed as proponents try to work with First Nation peoples to earn their support. While those two projects are on hold, another plan was released last week by the Alberta government to build a northerly pipeline that would take the tar sands oil to a port in the far north of the Beaufort Sea in the Arctic. The possibility of using ships in the Arctic to transport tar sands oil comes about because of changing climate conditions, making transportation through the Beaufort Sea commercially viable. There is little doubt that plans to build a pipeline through pristine areas of northern Canada will draw immense opposition due to the possibility of environmental catastrophes.
0: The Great Pacific Ocean Garbage Patch was discovered in 1997, but the source of all the debris has been unknown, up until now, perhaps, researchers in Australia have developed a mathematical model that might help finger the culprits. By using models of ocean currents, mathematician Gary Froyland and oceanographer Eric Van Siebel from the University of New South Wales calculated that ocean boundaries are very different than how we've traditionally viewed them the pair's technique maps oceans by how water moves they have identified areas of upwelling where warmer less salty water is rising and areas of downwelling where currents of seawater sink into swirls of gyres gyres are the rotating systems of ocean currents where the garbage patches occur the great pacific garbage patch is just one of five patches occur in each of the north and south atlantic North and South Pacific, and the middle of the Indian Ocean. Some of them are as big as the state of Texas. The researchers modeling could explain how if you tossed a message in a bottle near Madagascar, it might end up swirling in a garbage patch in the South Atlantic, despite the fact that the island country itself is in the Indian Ocean. According to Van Sabil, cleaning up the garbage patches is beyond our current capabilities. Much of the plastic in them is so small that to skim them from the water would also remove important plankton and small animals eaten by larger fish, which highlights another problem. The toxic chemicals from plastic travels up the food chain and could eventually end up on our dinner plates.
1: Citing the fact that there are too many unanswered questions about hydraulic fracturing, and a lack of research and regulations. The government of Nova Scotia announced that there would be no fracking allowed at this time. The decision follows the recent release of a report by a panel concluding that the province wasn't able to make fully informed decisions for or against the development of fracking without further research. There needs to be a significant period of learning and dialogue according to the 370 page report. A spokesperson for the Council of Canadians, which had asked for a permanent ban on fracking, was nevertheless pleased with the government's moratorium. She stated that she was happy the government was actually listening to the people on this issue. A spokesperson for the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers said that the government ignored industry experts and regulators in Western Canada, where he said fracking has been done safely for decades. The panel report calls for a baseline monitoring and regulations to be drafted before Nova Scotia even considers moving forward with fracking. It also calls for a political process to allow a community to consent to fracking if a company wants to drill there.
0: Now your groundwater update. The recent earthquakes in Northern California have had some unexpected consequences. Pushing groundwater to the surface. The U.S. Geological Survey has received reports of dramatic water increases, as much as 20 times the average, in creeks near Napa and Sonoma. Officials there are hopeful they can capture some of the extra water for use, but are testing it to ensure it's safe for public consumption. Scientists say they've known of this phenomenon since the 1860s and have documented similar occurrences where earthquakes have opened up cracks and fissures to allow groundwater to find its way to the surface. Though times are tough in the parched golden state, there's no one out there hoping that the big one is coming as a font for additional water. And now here's our intern, Haley, with some droplets from the world of science.
2: Who didn't want a backyard pool as a kid? Well, now there's a reason to get one, but not the reason you'd think. In an article from grist.com, Backyard pools and ponds are being used worldwide as farms, little, enclosed, do-it-yourself farms. It all started with a couple in Mesa, Arizona, who bought a house with a broken pool in the backyard. Instead of fixing it, they transformed it, and now it has become their main source of food. They even started a nonprofit organization called Garden Pool, and have brought these simple urban farms all over the world, from Arizona to Haiti to Africa. The thing that makes Garden Pool so incredible is the simplicity of it. The organization has created gardens that essentially water themselves, even including chickens and fish to help fertilize the mini-ecosystem, all cost-effective and easy to build. Backyard farms have been gaining popularity recently, and what's certain is, this one is guaranteed to make a splash. And finally this
0: week, In case being alone with your thoughts was your plan when you went to get a drink of water, there's a new interactive gizmo encouraging Americans to keep hydrated, a talking water fountain. The so-called drink-up fountain dispenses greetings and compliments intended to entice the drinker to continue sipping. When a drinker's lips touch the water, the fountain talks. When the drinker pulls their head away, the voice stops. The talking bubbler was developed by the agency Yes, Yes, No, for the Partnership for a Healthier America's Drink Up Initiative. Among the fountain's remarks, Refreshing, isn't it? And, Water helps keep your teeth nice and clean. No wonder I was so mesmerized by your smile. First Lady Michelle Obama's group, Let's Move, endorsed the fountain, calling it, quote, A splash of magic that could lead people to drinking more water. Whether it's magical or creepy might depend on the visitor. In one of the recordings, a male voice speaks saying, Can I ask you a personal question? Are you a sipper or a gulper? Adding, When this is all over, I can recommend several excellent public restrooms. We can only imagine there'll be plenty of talk around the water cooler about this chatty water feature. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado WaterWise. Learn more at ColoradoWaterWise.org.